This week on the podcast, I have an extra special guest, Jeremy Harvey, the creative partner and founder at Clarity. This is really just a classic entrepreneurial story of finding opportunity, focusing on a core skill set and developing it into a really phenomenal business. Their journey is just full of the twists and turns, knocks and setbacks and obstacles of entrepreneurial life. He's worked on the brands of some of the biggest companies around, Premier Inn, Volkswagen Group, Jaguar Land Rover. They were the guys behind the distinctive purple, yellow and white of the Premier Inn. There aren't that many people that have his breadth of experience when it comes to design, creativity and building brands. This is really just quite a fascinating discussion. Uh, The discussions around all things agency propositions, building teams, having the right mentors and coaches at the right time is timeless. If you're interested in brand building, insight, creativity, and growing an agency business over what is now a 30-year career, then you will find this conversation to be absolutely fascinating. So without me keeping you in suspense any further, my conversation with Jeremy Harvey. Jeremy Harvey founded Clarity in 2005 with his business partner and longtime collaborator, Chris Morris. Deriving from a larger agency background, Clarity was formed to be a different kind of agency with a more focused, hand-picked team built around specialist sectors with a passion for creating clear, motivating communication that cut through in this increasingly noisy marketplace. Their clients have included Premier Inn, Europe Car, Volkswagen Group, Jaguar Land Rover, Ideal Standards, the restaurant group, Homebase, TGI Fridays, just go down the list of some of the biggest companies in the world. I'm very much looking forward to the conversation. Jeremy Harvey, welcome to Agency Dealmasters. Good morning, Nathan. Lovely to be on with you. Absolute pleasure having having you on the show. Thank you very much for making the time. Your father was a, an automotive designer who worked for Audi and Lotus, amongst others. From a very early age, you were really a keen illustrator, uh, typographer, and graffiti artist as well. Was there any doubt that you weren't going to have a career in design in some way, shape, or form? Uh, I think not. Um, <laughs> well, it's interesting. I, you know, I think there are very much sort of two sides to kind of the skills in our family so um my brother is an engineer you know my father uh sort of worked more on the technical side of car design so i I had quite a broad set of inputs as as a young uh, a young aspiring creative you know i was very much inspired by interiors very much you know inspired by product design i guess through my father's influence so uh you know at one point a career in architecture was very much going to beckon for me um Mm. you know and that that sort of slightly more technical side actually has kind of pervaded through through my work and through the agency's work. So it's definitely kind of shaped our aesthetic. But but yes, uh, you know, there's, there was a diverse set of inspirations when I was a, a young man. And, you know, and I think actually that's made me the kind of more rounded creative I am today. You met your now business partner, Chris Morris, when you were just 18 years old. He, he employed you as a young creative working on the GM account. And that turned out to be a pretty successful partnership. How did that relationship come about? Yes. Yeah. It's uh, Chris and I have been working together for a few years now. Um, it, it was a slightly humorous start. Uh, you know, I, there was an opportunity. I was a, a young creative graduate, uh, slightly overconfident, <laughs> slightly too long a hair, lots of uh, attitude, <laughs> a kind of a raw material, I would say. Right. And uh, at that time, Chris, you know, was a, an agency owner. A partner in a successful growing agency and uh, I guess took a bit of a risk really mm. you know he could, he could see the kind of creative potential within me and um, took me on to you know took me on on that journey and then you know it's been many many years but you know what we shared were a lot of the same creative values we're very both very passionate both very driven but what Chris did in kind of nurturing me I guess as a young creative was to bring the kind of the business side to my thinking. Mm. Uh, so, I, I, you know, take my raw creative sort of uh, energy and channel it 
into you know into a business application that that could change and shape behaviors that could you know alter the fortunes of companies so it was about really applying that and we we had an awesome time you know we'll pull all nighters in briefs and pitches mm. and um you know it was a, a time i look back on very fondly a really sort of inspirational person to me at that point in your life and in your in your career what was it that you think that he saw in you as a young impressionable sort of 18 year old i think you know chris himself um you know started his career you know very much in, in the era of design mm. so he too was a kind of a young cd but very entrepreneurial so had set about creating his own agency mm. so i think uh you know it was that point of creativity I mean, you know uh, i left college with a book that i would be proud to kind of show today it was very much full of brands and identities and the application of those versus some of my colleagues who were uh, using charcoals to do expressive illustration sure. so i was already a kind of a bit of a shaped product i think just because of my background in interests and and application mm. when i was when i was younger so he saw that kind of creative spirit saw the mm. potential within that so i guess an element through the teenage attitude an element of maturity that he mm. could channel really interesting in 1990 you became creative director for butterfield morris bushel where you stayed for 15 years there you headed up a studio of about 40 people and you helped establish the multidisciplinary agency of around 120 people they had a core specialism of automotive hospitality and, and retail, working with the likes of Vauxhall, Saab, Chevrolet, Whitbread, Centre Parks, um, Orange Mobile, etc. And you worked on really some amazing brands when you were there. That must have been a time that you look back on quite fondly. Mm. Talk a little bit about that experience. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, it's, they're extremely fond memories. The... Um, it was a very sort of unique and exciting time. Uh, this really was the extension of the agency that I'd first joined. So we were a team of six and obviously to to go on a journey, a rapid journey to become a team of 120, mm. uh, to have a studio team of the kind of breadth and depth that I then had, uh, you know, under, under my wing was both inspiring and challenging. But um, yeah, we went for incredible growth. At one stage, we were sort of 50% year on year growth as an agency. Mm. Uh, that meant that I could hire fantastic talent. And it meant that the sort of the dynamic and the shape of the agency was continually changing. So for, for young creatives, I'm sure they will think that 15 years spent in one culture, in one environment, uh, it is kind of too, or potentially too long. Mm. But the agency was just dramatically, year on year, we almost became a, a kind of a different type of agency. And that was shaped by the, the people and the, the skills that we took on board and sort of by the breadth and quality of the clients that we were able to win. So, um, you know, it's often said, you know, I felt it in my time, you know, in Clarity in more recent years. But back then at B&B, we, um, you know, we just had a bit of a winning attitude. So... Mm. Uh, there was nothing that could stop us really and you know that sort of infectious kind of attitude permeated throughout the agency and it meant that we went on to bring on board you know some great and leading brands some of which that you mentioned there so mm. you know the other dynamic of that as well is that the the studio that I built at that time if I look today if I look into industry uh, you know a lot of the young creatives and uh, the strategists that I took on now hold senior roles in some of the biggest agency groups, corporate groups, and also, you know, a lot of their own agency owners. So we did have an exceptional team. You say 15 years may have been a bit too long to stay in, in, in an agency, and that's what some of your colleagues were intimating, as, as you said. At some point, you got the message and you decided to leave after about 15 <laughs> years. What, what factors led to that decision? Um, they didn't try and oust me, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, all right, Jeremy, 15 years, it's time. <laughs> yes, please go. Um, I think, you know, it was a time I loved very much and it shaped a lot of my kind of values and beliefs, that, you know, the foundation for the, for the rest of my career. At the same time, it did change for me personally because of the, the senior role that I held. Um, you know, it was a, a board level role. The natural sort of scale and growth of the, the agency led to us, us needing more of a corporate structure. Um, that 
did mean that I, you know, then in turn spent a lot of time in forums around, I guess, things that were just not really related to the creative product or or to the client relationship so much. You know, important things and, you know, things that aided my sort of maturity and growth in business, but they took me away from the thing for which I had most passion. Hmm. In in 2005, you started Clarity because you had an idea for a new disruptive agency to challenge the larger, slower moving agencies out there. You wanted to be the speedboat to the traditional oil tanker. Explain. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it was quite it was quite a bold step. But but absolutely, we could see the the trend at that time. Uh, And this is Chris and I. So um, I kind of. uh, you know, approached Chris, made him aware that I was looking to move on from the agency. And, you know, collectively, we we began a conversation. And that was kind of the, the foundation of, um, you know, clarity today, um, or the starting point, should I say. Um, but yes, we, we could see that, you know, there was a change or you know, a step change in the market. Um, I think there was a, a desire within sort of larger corporate clients for uh, smaller, more agile, creative agencies. Um, ones where, you know, you could bring the right talent, collaborate with the right teams around the right project challenge. You know, you were not just inhibited by the, the skills and resources that you had within the large, larger teams. Um, and for us, one that was founded a, a, a bit more around a kind of clear belief, mm. you know, an agency built around a, a bit of a stronger purpose. Mm. You know, I would never um, speak ill of you know our time at, at bnb but we would you know we were just a busy communications agency um, sure. you know that making stuff happen whereas i think clarity was very different you know we had you know a real passion and purpose around the concept of clarity and about what that could do for kind of clients and businesses hmm. and also you know at this time you know social was really kind of picking up you know we're talking you know, just over 15 years ago um you know the proliferation of kind of channels available to clients the 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 sort of shape of the competitive landscape things were just getting a lot noisier mm. so so actually the the concept of an agency that had some of the skills and tools and experience to be able to kind of cut through that noise and really help bring sort of much needed clarity to our clients um, mm. was you know was very much there and so you know that was that was the motivation for the for the start of our agency so so let's talk about that in a bit more detail then because we mentioned at the beginning of the show that you work with some really stellar names premier in volkswagen group jaguar land rover you know tgi fridays just just go down the list mm. what problems do you solve for your clients and what are they buying when they buy clarity mm. yeah it's a, a very good question you know it's it's an extremely competitive landscape out there 20,000 plus agencies of different shapes and sizes so you know clients do have a, a lot of breadth and depth of choice mm. But I think, you know, there's a couple of things really that are core to, to our success and the sort of health of our relationships. And I guess the first one is, um, you know, in that creative DNA that I've spoken about, you, you could argue that there are many different creative agencies out there and that creativity is not a differentiator, but uh, we have our brand of creative um, that we think, you know, is unique, that does set us apart that is founded in a lot of the things you've spoken about in the the nature of the relationship of the owners of our business, of their backgrounds, of, you know, the, the kind of the, the, the sort of legacy of my design background. So that, that I think is very important, but, but more than ever, I think we recognize that the clients have a need for clarity mm. um, and that's what gravitates them towards us. So whether that be, better understanding of you know the changes that are happening in their market that perhaps are overwhelming for them better understanding of the kind of the changes in behavior and nature of their teams or changes in the kind of competitive landscape you know we genuinely bring that much needed clarity to our brand partners Mm. and you know that helps them to then get a better a clearer view if you like on you know what are the channels the moments the messages that are going to be most effective to to achieve their outcomes so so you know i think you know it's a strong proposition and it's uh it, it's beyond the name of our business you know it's very much a belief that sort of permeates for our business and is clear and understood by our clients and very motivating for them i was speaking to an analyst from gartner yesterday and i asked her what is it that 
agencies bring to their clients that they couldn't get from anywhere else? Like, why do clients hire agencies? Um, why don't they just do a lot of this work in-house? And, and what she said was exactly to your point, the fact that the world is so complicated out there, what an agency does is simplify that complexity mm. and delivers that simple solution to the client. Like, that is the value of a good agency. It's to simplify all the complexities out there and deliver that that clarity. Yeah, well, that is that's heartening to hear, and you know that's our that our firm belief as well. Um, you know what we recognise is that our clients are you know they're very busy, challenged, you know, often under resourced teams. Um, you know they're coping with a lot of a lot of different forces you know that are at play that are sort of mm. complicating and challenging them so to have the uh, that kind of headspace to have access to some of the tools to bring some of the right people with the right perspective around it you know it's very very difficult for a client so so now i think you know it's absolutely where agency strategic partners of our nature have a place mm. About five years into your journey, you engaged a consultant called Ralph Ardiel through the Design Business Association. He was the creative director for Imagination at the time. And you say that was the real or one of the real inflection points in the business. Explain. Mm, Yes. Um, So I guess, you know, we've been through different stages of our growth and journey as an agency. And at the outset, we were um, very much focused on establishing the Clarity brand, about starting to grow our team, you know, kind of hungry to bring on those first sort of, sort of client relationships. So, you know, that's what we did. We've had a very busy five years and we were focused solely on that. But what we did recognize is that for us to be able to move the agency forward to its next stage of growth we would need to go through a change management process you know it's Mm. this was not new to us it's you know something that we um had gone through in our time at bnb so we were creatures of experience um good and bad in in some respects but we we did recognize that we would need to you know stop and take a moment I think the other dynamic there as well which you know other agency owners would have experienced is that as as two owners and partners um, we were extremely busy making a lot of the decisions wearing many different hats sure um, you know kind of driving the agency almost just as a a collective as a twosome and that has a finite capacity (laughs) (laughs) it does Um, you've got finite energy yeah exactly hours in the day headspace energy so we knew that what we wanted to do is invest in and evolve our culture and our structure so we reached out and we're introduced to ralph who you know is a great guy and very inspiring character with phenomenal pedigree you know you know uh with his time at Imagination and a very deep thinker. And um, what Ralph understood was that, you know, he really understood the creative culture and what he helped us to do was to facilitate a process through which we could engage the team really effectively. And that was quite unique. Uh, And his approach was unique, but it was ultimately very rewarding. Uh, And what Ralph did was uh, he understood that creatives, they respond best to briefs. So um, (laughs) he wrote a brief uh, and that, (laughs) Brief was broadly called, uh, you know, a day in the life of an agency in five years' time. Okay. Chris and I became clients, and our team became an agency team that galvanised around the brief. And uh, smart. Yeah, yeah. No, it was good. Um, what was the output of that? Yeah, well, it was a very, it was very rewarding. So effectively, they went away and um, you know modelled a future agency, and that was everything from. You know, what's the client and team mix? You know, where where are our locations? Mm. What's going to be our turnover? What awards have we won? Interesting. Even what does the new brand identity look like for this new agency? What are the huh. visions and values? So right. they um so two things came from that. One was an extremely inspiring vision of the future, which Chris and I, you know, almost immediately brought into. Um, and because, it, you know, the foundations of it were there kind of in place from, you know, the agency that we were and the growth that we'd been through. Sure. But also it, it really brought home to me, and I think other agency owners should you know, absolutely kind of embrace a similar process. It, it brought home to me how brilliant our team are. 
Mm. how to an extent uh, how arrogant we'd been to even come this far in thinking that you know we were the only people that could make strategic decisions about our own business interesting uh and actually if you empower the bright minds around you not only will they be you know hugely invested in in your business Mm. but they will surprise you and they will exceed your expectations how big was the team at that point that's a good question. I think we sat around 18, 20 people. So interesting. Mm. And that process of sort of decentralizing the business, essentially sort of mm. empowering uh, every, everyone else, sort of galvanized them, motivated them even more, but also unearthed a whole lot of ideas and creativity that I guess you never really thought was there before. Yeah, to an extent, you know, I think, you know, we knew the potential of our people, mm. you know, we'd, we'd built, hand-built, hand-picked our team. Um, so, we're, you mm. know, we're extremely proud of them and that was being reflected in the quality of the work that we were doing and some of those clients that you listed that we were bringing on board. But but no, absolutely, mm. some of their concepts and ideas, um, well, we, we went on to embrace them. You know, they established our values. They um, helped we, you know, we already had a strong culture, but this really helped bring some structure and substance and ownership mm. to that. And it, it genuinely, it was, you know, it's a foundation that, um, you know, the benefits of which are still in place to this day. Really fascinating. Mm. So from 2005 to October 2020, when we're recording this, explain how the business has grown uh, and changed over that time. People, revenue, clients, locations. Yes. No, it's been some some journey, yeah. you know, this 10, 10 years on so um i think what we did was we built on those foundations um we went for a period of investing in the sort of the depth and the breadth of the team we certainly invested more in a kind of the specialist strategic planning and digital skills within clarity so uh, and another key aspect was bolstering our management team so uh, we brought on our, our fd from wpp mm. you know, brought on our business development lead from Mindshare, our CD from JWT, mm. uh, our people director came on board from sort of money super supermarket and home retail group. So amazing team. Yeah, we brought real depth and, and sort of credibility into the business. You know, it was humbling, really. Um, Any imposter syndrome in that? What, for us as owners? Yeah, considering the fact that, I mean, you'd, you'd grown this agency yourselves, I guess, you know, the two co-founders plus um you know the 18 uh, people that you'd hired but now you're really investing in sort of experience and talent that you hadn't really you you didn't have yourselves uh people that were better than you in other areas that i guess that's the whole point um any sometimes founders or ceos or, or or um managing directors tend to be a little bit uh protective <laughs> or a little bit um I don't know. I'm just nervous of other people kind of usurping them. But mm. was there any of that in there, or how how did you embrace that? Yeah, no. So I think absolutely. No, I I, I recognise that statement. But but genuinely, um, you know, even if I think back to our time at um, BNB, um, the core of our success was almost founded. Or one of the cores was the principle that we we always recruited people that were better stronger more experienced or just complementary you know that had diverse skills Mm. to those that we had and I think um, you know those those owners those leaders who uh, recruit people to uh, I guess um, support their own position and not undermine it uh, are very short-sighted yeah Um, so so no because we've been you know had that attitude for for 20 plus years in our careers, then then now it, actually it's something that we feel very natural and comfortable about. And actually you think it's it, it it's one of the attributes of effective and, and good leadership mm. is to, you know, have the right people, the best people for the job. Mm. And, you know, people are people. And, you know, we're very much a people business. You know, that's one of the foundations of our long and healthy relationship with our clients. And, um it's a strong part of our culture. And, and actually that was reflected in the people we did bring on board who were brilliant, positive individuals. Mm. No attitude, no arrogance, just, you know, um, inspired by the vision of an agency that was kind of punching above its weight mm. to some extent, that, that actually had a purpose and a vision that actually had a direction for the business when, you know, so many agencies um, don't. Mm. 
Um, and so, you know, they, they bought into that and were inspired by that. So, mm. so yes, yeah, it was a, a very, you know, very exciting and healthy time. In 2017, you were introduced to Aziz Kami. He, he was the founder of the Partners and later the chief creative officer at Kantar. Aziz began to work with you and your team quite closely over the last few years. What did you learn from him? Yes, no, uh, love Aziz. You know, he's a very uh, inspirational character and, uh, you know, quite big figure in the, the world of design. Um, obviously, the journey that the Partners went on and, you know, and then Aziz's kind of relationship with um, Sir Martin Sorrell and the sort of the exposure that gave, gave Aziz uh, and obviously the respect that came from that. So uh, I'll ask you for your details to be uh, a guest on the on the podcast at the end of the show. Yeah. Uh, he sounds like a great guest. Uh, yeah, no, he's a pretty awesome guy. He's a bit of an icon, really. So yes, you know, Aziz is a really, he's a true creative, you know, a real sort of passionate creative thinker. Uh, and he firmly believed in sort of the power of creativity as a, as a differentiator for an agency. Um, you know, differentiation, I guess, is it's the holy grail for, for an agency. Everyone. Yeah, indeed. No, absolutely. So the fact that, you know, we had such a strong creative DNA and that that was, you know, very much his passion just made us, is, you know, a really excellent fit. So, you know, we were, we were, you know, genuinely humbled that he saw in us the potential that he would, you know, give us his time and mentor us um, as a team. Um, so that kind of involved him working closely with my creative team. Um, you know, I'm kind of really proud of my team were to say that, you know, Aziz was mentoring two creative teams at that time. Um, he was working with Super Union, um, mentoring their team, and he was working with Clarity, Clarity, sorry, mentoring, you know, our young designers. So, you know, to have that sort of accolade and that, that focus, that view was was very inspirational. Mm. Um, but he was also, you know, he was uh, you know, a, a wise guy and very knowledgeable. And um, so as our uh, our proposition was evolving and shaping, you know, that's I think that's quite an important part of Clarity's growth is that we've remained restless mm. um, uh, around a core belief, but we've remained restless and evolved. Um, Aziz was a you know a phenomenal sounding board in terms of um, you know validating some of our thoughts about how our, our proposition and how our articulation of what we do um, sort of shaped and evolved. So let's talk about that then. Has your proposition shaped and evolved over the years? Because I I know that it has many times, but it's still you you know you have a core um, of your of your offering, but the services around that has changed quite significantly. Talk a little bit about how your service offering has changed over the years. Mm. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. I guess we talk about uh, clarity almost of having three stages of kind of growth at the moment. So uh, I guess uh, clarity 1.0 was, um, you know, very much about establishing the agency, as I described, you know, hungry for growth, um, building a team, um, uh, you know, exciting times, but, you know, perhaps with a lack of, lack of structure and focus. Clarity 2.0 um, obviously kicked off with that kind of vision process that I, I described with um, with Ralph and then um, evolved into a, a much more sector-based proposition. Um, so we, we started to hone our business around three core sort of um, sectors, specialisms, which were uh, automotive, um, hospitality, and the built environment. Mm. Um, you know, those those were very natural for us because we had a lot, uh, you know a big pedigree in each of those spaces. But also, um, from a kind of an insight and planning perspective, those were kind of three core areas within a kind of consumer lifestyle, consumer journey um, that we had knowledge of and that we could sort of cross fertilize. So from the you know, the cars or the homes that you bought through to the things that you did in your leisure time. You know, we were across the kind of uh, the consumer sort of life cycle. Mm. And and that, you know, that led to some very powerful insight and enabled us to bring different thinking um, to propagate within different sectors that, um, that, that, yes, you know, led to some really, you know, powerful and positive outcomes. So that was a really exciting time. Um, <laughs> at the same time, we also inadvertently kind of created three, uh, miniature companies inside one company, mm. um, uh, and and recognise the kind of some of the challenges that that can bring. So with success came some challenge. Mm. Um, before we've then moved into kind of Clarity 3.0, um, 
which is uh, over the last couple of years where we you know we reunified the business um you know we refocused those kind of core beliefs but actually became much more sector uh, sector agnostic um, you know recognizing that you know the kind of the core principles the methodology that we um, apply the product that we apply actually is suited to to different types of businesses within different sectors at different stages of their growth um, mm. so um so no that's you know it's much more where we kind of are today really interesting and you say at one point you were bringing so much value to the table um for your clients but you weren't really monetizing it that must have been obviously very demoralizing and i'm sure a lot of us have, have been there that are listening to this how how did you go about changing that mm. yes yeah i think this is a, a challenge that a lot of growing you know creative and, and design agencies have um sometimes it's a little dependent on the um you know on the relationships in terms of sort of seeing and understanding the value but but you know often uh on projects we were delivering an immense amount of value based on uh, the knowledge that we were bringing as a collective um the insight the kind of the understanding um that uh, we weren't monetizing um, a strategy we were kind of realizing as um, fees for creative product. So I, I think, you know, in many ways we recognized that that, that was kind of un, undervaluing um, our contribution and our creative product and, and therefore, you know, affecting some, some aspects of our sort of commercial success. Mm. Um, but, you know, we've... Um, we very much have evolved to that. You know, that's a nut that we've cracked now. Predominantly through some of that propositional change I spoke about as Clarity 3.0 by, by introducing models that enabled us to be much more transparent about the processes that we're going through to put much more focus on on that area of insight and, and, and um, analysis uh, and to make that much more visual and tangible for our clients. Really fascinating. You you said a moment ago that at one point you operated, you had three different companies sort of operating inside one. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm interested to know because I've seen a few agencies have that sort of model now where they might have a creative agency, uh, maybe a video production agency, you know, maybe a performance agency inside under one brand. How but they've struggled to sort of communicate the value of all of those services to their clients because you know, they'll have one part of the business calling under one part of the business's name and then another part calling the client for something else. Um, And also it kind of led to some internal divisions as well, where they're sort of hoarding, you know, one part of the business is sort of saying, well, it's, you know, it's sort of an us and them uh, sort of of relationship. Did you come across any of those things? How did you structure those three businesses to make sure that you didn't have those similar sort of challenges? Mm yes yeah i mean the that kind of concept of different disciplines under one roof is was not quite our, our challenge i think we you know we had some consistent disciplines but what we had was um i guess three sort of profit centers within the business you know each driving you know its own success and outcomes um which in turn naturally created sort of three sort of micro cultures within within the one business, um, and there were absolutely benefits of that, and you know positive aspects of that. You know, there's elements of um, you know healthy competition. Um, you know, there's there's elements of you know aspiring to, to kind of out, outdo one another in terms of bringing on board new clients or hitting certain revenue targets. Mm. But ultimately, you know, one of the the biggest challenges we found um, was within our creative team. So, um, what what started to happen is, um, you know, our studio of designers began began to become dissipated across those three areas of focus. Um, and what that lost was the thing that I think most creatives kind of hold dear and uh, and that motivates them, which is that that variety and that diversity of work. Mm. Um, so for us, um, you know, although commercially we realised that you know a lot of positive benefits, I think culturally it was challenging, and particularly for the kind of creative members of our team. So, mm. um, 
Really, really fascinating. Last, last question before we get into our, our favorite questions towards the end of the interview that we ask all of our guests. No, um, it's a question about branding and, and brand building specifically uh, and, and creativity, something that, that I know is quite close to your heart. But in a world of sort of increasing, that's increasingly digital, um, many really wonder what place traditional media holds in this sort of new world. And at what point does the media landscape become so saturated that it almost becomes wallpaper and you know we can't really see it anymore how have we seen innovative companies sort of break through that clutter um and sort of differentiate themselves when it's increasingly noisy in a digital environment and increasingly more so now that we're in covid19 and and uh everything is having to be communicated digitally Yes, yeah, it's it's certainly we're talking at an interesting time, Nathan. It's uh, you know a, a challenging year in so many many ways. I mean, my my personal belief is that um, yeah, it's a very exciting time for brands. Um, I think yeah, I, I recognise you know your statement, the proliferation of you know of digital, um, you know has has brought around a kind of change of dynamics, and you know that has. I guess challenge some of the traditional mediums, but actually, I I I think that leaves us quite excited as a creative team, and you know we um, are inspired by the the channels that are at our disposable our disposal now. Sorry to you know create quite rich integrated experiences mm. for our our brands, you know teams and customers. Um, you know, more than ever now that, you know, technology is available to us to bring to life experiences, you know, not only through digital channels, but through, you know, experiential um, moments, through um, through traditional media. Mm. And I think, uh, you know, it's how creatives can manipulate and use all of those tools at their disposal now, and there are more than ever. Mm to create much more immersive, engaging, memorable, unique experiences for, for customers. So actually, I think it's a very exciting time. And, um, and you know, I don't think people should feel uh, threatened by the shift. I think just people need to kind of embrace it and, and, and shift their headspace. Well said. Yeah. Let's get into everyone's favorite questions now, Jeremy. These are the questions that I ask all of my guests. So I'm super excited to ask you some of them as well. Who is the man behind the brand sort of questions? Okay. Um, starting with the easy one. Tell us about a time when you failed and what you learned from the experience. Yes. So I, I think that's a really interesting question. I think, uh, you know, perhaps when I was uh going through the earlier growth stages of, of our agency. Um, obviously, we were hungry. We were, you know, pitching for a lot of work, sort of putting ourselves out there. And, um, you know, rejection hit hard. And, um, you know, the loss of a pitch, perhaps at that time, I did perceive as a failure. But it's interesting, you know, just as I've grown uh, and, and matured uh, uh, in, in my career, in my journey with Clarity, uh, you know, I sort of no longer see them as failures. You know, very much they're... they're, they're points of um, reflection they are learning experiences mm. and actually uh, each one that happens just makes us a little bit stronger so sure. so I don't really think about failures in that respect mm. tell us about some of your early mentors who influenced the way that you think about creativity the way you think about growing agencies you mentioned some already but are there any others Yes, from that kind of, you know, young sort of raw uh, property creative um, to being, you know, uh, the more rounded, considered, um, more business minded individual that I am today. Mm. You know, Chris was very much part of shaping uh, and influencing me. Mm. And I also touched on, you know, a lot of the a lot of the uh, designers around me uh, on our journey. Um you know, we employed some great people from some phenomenal backgrounds um, that, uh, again, to that point about being brave, you know, taking on people that you can you, know, you can look up to that just, uh, you know, have richer and deeper experiences than mm. you. you know, we, we had a lot of, a lot of those and, uh, you know, that, that really kind of shaped and inspired me and kept me motivating and learning. And I think, you know, that's the key thing really. Mm. Just, uh, you know, I, I recognise that in all of my designers, you know, when we, have our regular um, conversations you know they're all 
hungry to learn and to keep moving and growing and developing. And, you know, we need to facilitate that. The book's question. Tell us about some of your favorite books. They can be fiction, nonfiction, business related, non-business related, whatever. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, well, as a, as a young designer, um, there were a couple of books, I think, that are actually, they're kind of classics now. So I think most designers would have them on their bookshelves, but they, you know, they did uh, uh, influence me at that time. So the first was um, a book I recollect called The Smile in the Mind. Mm. Uh, um, so that was really, uh, it's by a, a gentleman, David Stewart. Again, you know, he was a partner's by background before they were bought at WPP, so one of the founders of that business. But that was all about um, sort of being playful mm. within design. Mm. And, you know, that, and that was really interesting. Uh, you know, a lot of people take their design very seriously, whereas we, you know, we often find that, um, you know, humour and, uh, you know, being visually arresting and disrupting as, you know, is super effective for our for our clients and in our work so mm. you know the foundations of that were very much shaped by that book um mm. and then simply there's a, a book you may know the, called the art of looking sideways no. um so uh alan fletcher is one of the founding partners of pentagram okay um yeah this was his book it was all about kind of exploring visual ideas oh, I love it. You know, how you can take the medium and bring concepts to life yeah. for through design and so yeah those those were two books sort of early in my design career that really kind of shaped my mind uh, i'm reading an interesting book at the moment yeah. as well which is very different for me okay. um which was uh a book that i don't know how it came across um, my desk but it's called run with running with foxes or run with foxes which is um a marketer's a marketeer's perspective of sort of life within uh, as a, a, a a head of brand within large corporates. Hmm. It's really interesting for us as from an agency perspective to sort of get a glimpse of the inside, see, you know, some of the, the challenges, the politics, the things they, sure. the things they care about, the things they don't. And it's a very small, uh, short, grabbable read. Paul Durvin, run with foxes, make better marketing decisions. Yes. 25 five-star ratings. Wow. Okay. Adding that to my list right now. I think it's an interesting read, as I say, yeah. very different, you know, very different book for a creative to read, yeah. but it gives insight into, you know, the, the, the cultures and structures with which we have to deal every day. Great recommendations. Thank you for those. Uh, Amazon Prime or Netflix, what are you watching or streaming that's good? I kind of tend to gravitate towards Netflix for, for some mm -hmm. reason. I'm sure we only have Amazon Prime. <laughs> uh, Got to get um, Prime, I mean. Got to go. Next day delivery. <laughs> We've got Prime, definitely. No, absolutely. We have it. But I think it's there for the for the shopping uh, e-commerce benefits. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm a bit of a foodie. Netflix has fantastic sort of global food, you know, market. Definitely. So, you know, I love yeah. love all of that kind of yeah. stuff. Did you watch the, uh, is it Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is a cookery program. Yeah, yeah. Is it Nuzra? I can't remember her surname now, but she goes to these four different, essentially food, good food, mm. in, in, it includes four in main ingredients, salt, fat, acid, and heat at its basic level. And she travels to like Japan and Italy and just these amazing places around the world, just eating amazing food and, mm. and using those four ingredients. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there are a bunch of those. There's uh uh, one I've been watching, which is around sort of street food, um, and you know, just finding these kind of you know icons globally, but uh, just you know these local, uh, you know, really unpretentious people that are just doing mm. the thing they do that's passionate to them. Mm. But but it, I think it's everything that's wrapped up in that. It's the culture, it's the the travel, it's the sort of richness of that. So no, that, I, that is a bit of a. Uh, uh, passion and i do enjoy that but hey you know narcos hip-hop history <laughs> <laughs> the classics yeah, yeah. and actually i did watch the what something recently which did inspire me and it, you know it's perhaps a couple of years after perhaps others have seen it but um the mcqueen documentary was on um alexander mcqueen okay bio right and that was so inspiring really good um, yeah my goodness you know the way that 
the fusing kind of it wasn't fashion it was fusing architecture yeah sort of high concept and experience and theater and you know any i'd uh, encourage any um, designer creative to watch that documentary really? some of the creations were just awe-inspiring so so okay. yeah, that, well, that was good added to the list thank you uh what's the most interesting thing that people don't know about jeremy harvey Oh, I'm an open book. There's nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it's all out there. Just, it's, yeah. just read your Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> um, Donald Trump. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not get political, please. Um, yeah, uh, I yeah, when I was, you know, 19, 20, 21, I was very much the aspiring DJ. Uh, so I still a, a bit of a passionate sort of vinyl collector and... Uh, and you know, uh, not CDs, uh, not, right. not digital, very much yeah. vinyl the only. Classic, yeah, yeah. Perhaps people. You're a purist. Perhaps people wouldn't know. That, yeah, I would be on the ones and twos in nightclubs. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. That's really cool. interesting. Yeah. Uh, last couple of questions, and then I'll I'll let you go. What advice would you give to a millennial or a young person who comes to you and says that they want to start their career? in a, a global creative agency, mm. um, what advice do you give her? Yeah, I mean, I I get genuinely asked this, you know, frequently. I've, mm. I've got, um, you know, family and uh, you know, daughters and uh, extended family of a certain age where they're, they're considering university. And, you know, a number of them are interested in design. You know, it's still a very popular uh, sort of creative territory, very popular route, avenue. And, um, yeah, I mean, I genuinely would say you know pursue it i mean recognize what it is i think that it's it is a it's not a career i don't believe i think it's a vocation i think if you genuinely want to pursue a career in design you know you will live and breathe it uh, and you should you know i think that's how you'll make a success of it you know um and if you're focused and if you if you challenge yourself um and if you're, you know, very passionate about it, then it, it can be the best job in the world. You know, it's uh, it's not a career, I think, where um, you're waiting for the day to end or, mm. um, you know, you switch off and at the weekend it's, you know, you do something else. I think those mm. who genuinely succeed in it are those that, you know, live it because, yeah. you know, good, 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 good design and communication um you know, it touches on every part of our lives and, uh, you know, and it, yeah. and it can inspire and enhance every part of our life. So I think it becomes you know, I, your life. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it has really to be yeah. So I don't know whether you agree with me on this point, but I believe that everyone is creative or can be creative or is a creative. Mm. But I think a lot of people don't believe that. I think a lot of people think that only artists are creative or, I don't know, musicians are creative or sculptors. But I think human beings at their very core are all creative but i think it's kind of educated out of us <laughs> throughout <laughs> school what are, what are your thoughts i'm just curious mm, no i yeah I, I passionately believe that too um but you know creativity also manifests itself in very different forms so mm. and and through different careers so so yes i think we all have a creative side uh, and the expression of that doesn't need to be uh, a painting the, the application of yeah paint to canvas or, or, yeah. or type to mac uh, yeah it you know it can come through in in very very different ways so um so no no i i believe that and it, and it should be nurtured and fostered and mm. um uh, and often isn't so um so yeah i think you know that leaves a lot of uh, unlocked potential within people but um but yeah it exists in everybody and in and in many different careers and forms and my final question, Jeremy, what is it you know about growing a creative agency today that you wish you knew at the very beginning of your career at 18 years old? Yeah, it's interesting. Obviously, for for the first, you know, 15 plus years of my career, uh, 20 years, you know, I worked for and within a growing agency of which I played a, you know, a big a big role. So um, I think, you know, we were privileged that when I started my agency proper, you know, we were creatures of, of experience. But, um, you know, if I was to give advice, I think it's um, 
uh, yeah, there's a few pointers really. I guess the first is kind of be really clear on what it is that you are are bringing to this marketplace, and uh, you know what is your proposition? Um, how is it differentiated? Why why should people care? Um, and what value will it bring? Um, so I think um, you know that that is the kind of the foundation. Um, I would also say, you know, that, you know, invest in your culture, um, you know, it's, that is as important and that will always pay dividends. Mm. And then for me, from my personal experience, I, you know, I, I did it and went on the journey with a partner, uh, and that was a partner with different, but complementary skills. And I think, uh, you know, it can be a tough slog and it's definitely hard work and it, it is all enveloping of your life, but, um, but actually, if you do it with the right person, with the right complementary skills, and you've both got the right ethics and work ethics, then um, you know that just makes the journey so much more productive uh, and constructive. Um, yeah, and be super clear that you know it will absorb you. Um, mm. So you know, be prepared for that, and sort of it's not know, a bad thing. Enjoy the ride, you know. Mm. Brilliant, Jeremy. Thank you so much for doing this. It's an absolute pleasure. We have been speaking with Jeremy Harvey. He is currently the co-founder at Clarity. If you enjoyed this conversation, then head over to Apple Podcasts where you can listen to over 100 conversations we've had now with world-class leaders in sales, marketing, and design. Thank you for all your feedback and suggestions on LinkedIn and email. Write to me at Nathan at agencydealmasters.com. Please head over to iTunes and leave us a review. Follow me on Twitter at Nathan Anibaba. We would be unable to do this show without our very own deal masters ahmed ahmed is our editor christoph blaschek is our booker slash project manager marian begum is our head of research i'm nathan anibaba you've been listening to agency deal masters stay tuned for our stellar interview next week with ashley ainsley the ceo of color in tech if diversity technology and entrepreneurship are things you're interested in then you will find this conversation to be absolutely fascinating you know, if you think about how recruiting works, people are effectively looking to recruit the easiest people to find. It's like, this is just wrong. Like, there's amazing talent, which is just not getting this opportunity. And I'm hearing the corporates on one side say they want to have the best talent, they want to have the cream of the crop and all of that stuff. And it's like, well, you're not getting it. They're not feeling the benefits of a more diverse workforce. I would be on a whole floor and sometimes never see anybody who looked like me. And for those who don't know what I look like, I'm a, I'm a young black man. I'll be the first, I'll be the pioneer if no one's going to do it. It's not going to stop me from doing it.